on SAFM. Youth unemployment has been prioritized by President Matamela Ramaphosa in his recent SONA address with the launch of the Presidential Youth Employment Intervention Program. The president admitted that government alone cannot solve the crisis and called on social compacts to work together to shift gears on youth unemployment. However, even though young people face this crisis every single day, they are scarcely included in the conversations on the topic. Their ideas and views often lie in the periphery of the discussions. Capital's project lead, Crystal Duncan Williams, looks at the space young people should hold to truly help shape a South Africa in which we can all thrive. Of course, this is a project located within the DG Murray Trust. Ms. Duncan, thank you. Duncan Williams, I beg your pardon. Thanks so much for your time and welcome to The Viewpoint. Good evening. Youth unemployment, technical recession, National unemployment sitting at 29.1. We have a serious crisis on our hands. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and we have had one on our hands for some time. Um, and nothing has really shifted the needle on the numbers. Uh, currently, um, you could fill the F&B stadium over 80 times with the number of young people who are not in any form of education, training or employment. So just, just think about the magnitude of that. That's a ticking um, time bomb. Uh, yeah, and uh, young people are often posed as that. Um, you know, we have to do something with these high, with these youth because it's risky. Um, and we at Youth Capital are saying, how about we start looking at young people as, as, as potential? Just imagine you took all of that potential that's unlocked within those over 8 million young people. Imagine what it could do for this country. Well, one doesn't have to imagine. We know it would solve so many of the social ills that on an everyday basis, you and I, for the most part, have to deal with. Together with them, only for them, they don't have the kinds of resources to fend those social ills from visiting them. The question is, has government, together with business and civic organizations, been genuine at the negotiating table, and especially beyond the negotiating table, in terms of implementing the National Youth Development Agency? When you engage them as a stakeholder to this topic, when you engage them, what are they saying? What have they done? What are the outcomes that you have noted are good or bad in the context of developing the scorecard? Small business development. It's a ministry. What is yeah. it doing to address this? Trade an industry on a more grander, greater scale. What is it doing to attract the kinds of investment to get more people involved in these vocations of training and education and development? Absolutely. And, and you know, when you speak to young people, they're, they're asking those questions as well. Where's the accountability? Um, we ran a campaign in the lead up to SONA asking young people to send in their videos to the president to s highlight what they'd like him to speak about at SONA. Um, and one of the, the videos we got in said, where's the accountability? Uh, the NYDA, depending on which province you're on and where you are as a young person, rural, urban, your experience of that process is completely different. There's a lot of distrust of, of that organization from young people. Um, and if it's supposed to be advocating for young people, um, then that becomes a problem. Businesses, um, you know, are very happy to donate some CSI money to a project here and there. But what we're saying at Youth Capital is what's missing is a coordinated agenda and a coordinated plan of action that puts young people and their experiences and their voices and their solutions at the center, as opposed to the top-down approach which we've been trying to implement for at least the last 10 years, which clearly hasn't worked. Um, we've traveled around the country to 
five provinces and spoken to at this stage over 500 young people. Um, and the stories that they tell you are very much in line with what the research says. Um, but there's also surprising things like the burden of childcare on, on, on women and um, the burden of, of overcrowded households and mental health and all of the things that you don't hear um, when you speak about youth employment. You'll speak your year education and your year about jobs. But there's all of this other stuff um, that doesn't get spoken about. And it's because we're missing that other stuff that none of these programs have really been that effectual. We can speak about entrepreneurship um, until the cows come home. But if you take the stat that, you know, four in 10 young people in this country live in a household with not a single employed adult, how is that person supposed to run a business with no mentorship and no guidance and no work experience? Um, so I think we have to look at the realities on the ground before um, trying to implement big top-down solutions, mm, which mm. clearly haven't worked. Okay, I'll indulge you on that. Let's engage, for instance, the education system. I would venture to say, without doing any empirical research on this, that parts of the challenges you have uncovered in the entire framework that results in what we see as youth unemployment lies at the fact that the education system doesn't do enough to make more seamless the transition from high school into the workplace or from high schools into particular skills training centers, including but not limited to university. That's on the one end. Yeah. And the fact that there are so little in supply of your technical colleges, your technical schools, yeah. where you leave being able to qualify, say, with particular NQ levels, mm. you're a fitter, you're a turner, you know how to change a contact, you know how to jack a car, you know how to do the oil filter change for a mechanical perspective. The artisans field industry altogether in South Africa, we know and we've known for the longest time that we are in desperate short supply of your plumbers, your electricians. I don't get the sense from what the throughput is from mm -hmm. high school into the market, so to speak. There's enough attention being paid to those things. In other words, not the top-down approach, but the bottom-up. So yeah. we're continuously inheriting a class of people or a group of people who are more and more less capable of engaging this community in which they are required to actively and economically engage. Absolutely. Young people will tell you themselves that school does not prepare them at all. So, number one, we know that our maths and literacy um, in this country is shocking. Um, and because of the progression system, young people are progressed um, to the next phase of learning um, if they failed once. And there's no support in place within school to catch them up on what the reasons they failed in the first place. So that young person is doomed to keep being behind and either eventually fail at some stage, matric if they make it that far, or just drop out. Um, and schools are willing to let the ones who are slagging, lagging behind drop out because it makes them a check pass rates look better. Um, and then young people are just not given the correct career guidance. That's the one thing that comes up. In, and I've been in many workshops with people between the ages of 15 and 35. And it comes up every single time. People in school, people who have gone through school will say, we just didn't know what our options are. We were told we could go to university. And if we didn't get into university, mm. then TVETs are for stupid people. And there's no point in even applying. That's an indictment on life orientation in the classroom, isn't it? The, 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 the subject or the, um, if you like, the the curricular engagement that speaks to life orientation, that speaks to what we had in my time, it was called guidance. There isn't enough of that yeah. in the schools. And I suppose that the, the school itself is not always in a position to provide that kind of life orientation. You find many people who are teaching have only ever taught. So they wouldn't Absolutely. know what industry has outside the teaching fraternity itself. Exactly. And the world of work we know is changing. Um, you know, 
what, for instance, even myself, I did a master's in health economics. When I did my undergrad, that wasn't even a thing. Um, and so uh, the, the world is changing all the time, and, and maybe it is a bit unrealistic to prepare people for specific jobs, but to just broaden um, young people's horizons. I, honestly, I completely agree with you that life orientation is this missed opportunity, and it's seen as this w- kind of filler-in subject when it has the potential to really change um, the outcomes for young people. Um, and, and businesses, I think, need to be more invested in their communities because they're the ones, as you say, who have the industry experience, who can see where things are going to say, this would be a good course of study because these are the skills that you know, the world of work is looking for. Um, we know that the problem with a lot, at a lot of TVETs, the vocational studies, is again, the lecturers there have no industry experience. So how are they supposed to equip um, people for trades like plumbing and welding and you know these very practical skills when they've never done it outside themselves. They're graduates who have then come back into the teaching space without that experience. And it's only through partnership with private sector and businesses that we can really overcome that gap, I believe. How much of what the president was saying at the SONA address did you roll your eyes at or genuinely believe that this is exactly what is needed? And since that speech, you have seen movements or heard a rhetoric that is consistent with that message that was supposed to galvanize us as a nation. Well, the president launched the the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative, and we were all very excited about that. Um, But again, it's just a policy. Um, And, you know, we've put out an opinion piece that came out in Melon Garden last weekend around this. And it's the same thing I always say when there's an announcement of some kind of policy. Um, You know, on paper, it can look great. But until we really grapple with the issues on the ground, it's never going to work. So, for instance, you know, the president spoke about introducing coding and making Mm. sure that people are more ready for, you know, 4IR and and the buzzword of of 4IR. But if people can't read and write, it doesn't matter if you offer coding. Um, They're not going to be able to make um, use of those opportunities. So I think we always miss that in the conversation. Um, And then the budget speech is a follow-up. We're waiting to see... Is there extra money? Is there diversion of funds from other places? We don't necessarily feel at Youth Capital that we need more money in the youth development space. There's you just tons need of coordination. money. Absolutely, that's exactly it. We're going we to talk coordination. to that issue. Sorry, I beg yeah. your pardon, Crystal. We're going to talk <laughs> no. to that issue of coordination. I'm just pressed for time to go to Greg Hose for the 21 Hours News. Do stay there, please, in Cape Town, Crystal Duncan Williams, in studio talking about youth unemployment. And after the break, news break, that is, we'll continue the conversation with her. For now, Greg Hose, good evening. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. The Viewpoint. Weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. On the viewpoint. Yes, indeed. 2105, the viewpoint is back. This is the final stretch on Wednesday, and we're entering a segment that is called Hashtag Business on Wednesday. Before we do that, we continue the conversation with Miss Crystal Duncan Williams, who's Youth Capital's project lead at the DJ Murray Trust. And the message just in, it seems to be a happy day for the Mabeka family at large. Born to Luvuyo and Zosbini, brother to Luto and Luluando, happy birthday to Uluyanda, otherwise known in the family as Nombabasa in Brackenfell, Cape Town. May you live, grow strong, and be thoroughly successful and not become a statistic of youth unemployment. Let's play a couple of voice notes for Crystal to respond to, please. 
good evening songe so this is him from switch we need to be honest and stop being politically correct about this issue of youth, youth unemployment the reality is that the youth will remain unemployed because they are choosing they choose which jobs they will want to do you find someone who's unemployed they don't even have metric and they don't tell them about uh getting that there's a job in retail say for example in woolworths they'll tell you that no i'm not gonna work in woolworths i'm not gonna work in a shop that's for people who are stupid they'll tell you that it's for dumb cops so as, for, as long as youth don't want to change their attitude they'll forever remain unemployed good evening song as a seasway in the eastern cape the issue of unemployment really is a threat to all of us uh, and I think, and I hope government could address it before it spills over or it has any repercussions to this country. Uh, I mean, why don't we send these kids to the army for training and acquiring skills there? Why don't we absorb them in a lot of work, meaningful work, not the EPWP, that will train them so when they leave, they are, they are skilled in plumbing, in a number of things that can uh, uh, benefit South Africa. Good evening, Putsonges. This is Lokoselo from East London, and happy birthday to your sibling. May you please ask your guest, what is the real difference between a university and a TVET college? Thank you. Crystal, you got your work cut out. First one about <laughs> your choosy youth. The second one in terms of absorption into the high labor intensive spaces. And the last one, yeah. of course, the difference between universities and TVETs. Sure. So um, in terms of young people being choosy, this is a misnomer. The research points otherwise. You might find in your conversations you found a couple of choosy young people. I'm not saying they don't exist. But the truth is the research from South Africa shows that young people, if you ask them, um, what they would like to earn, they'll tell you a number and you'll laugh and say you can't have that as a starting salary. But when you actually go and look into the wages that young people are willing to accept, um, they're actually far below market value. And the longer young people remain unemployed, the lower, oh, yeah. wa- the lower wages oh, yeah. that they're a- able to accept. And when we say things like young people are lazy and why don't they shop to interviews and why do they shop to interviews looking the way they look and acting the way they do, we need to understand that you don't know what that young person has gone through to get to that interview. Maybe they had to get five children, siblings of theirs ready for school that morning. Maybe they had to go and borrow money from somebody to get the taxi fare to make it there. Maybe these are the best clothes that they have to wear to this interview. Mm. And so I think before we start passing judgment on yeah. young people, we need to understand all of the, the many factors that young people face. Um, one the reality of shows, poverty is real. Yeah. Absolutely, that young people spend up to 500 rand a month looking for work, and that's mostly on data and transport. Most people live below the poverty line. That's half of the half of the income just on looking for work. Um, so I think before we pass judgment, we should um, be aware of those um, those realities that young people face. Um, and then to the second uh, voice note. Um, the president is trying to do that um, with the National Youth Service. It's not the army, but um, the National Youth Service Program, which has been in existence for some time, but again, we have no evidence whether it's been very successful or not. Um, so we really hope that by putting this um, 
at front and center again that there'll be a, an impetus to make this work. And that's about taking young people into community work and giving them work experience in the social economy. Um, and I'm glad that you also raised uh, EPWP. We at Youth Capital are saying there are lessons to be learned from EPWP. Um, having a young person wave a flag on the side of the road mm. or sweep the floor at a clinic for six it's to nine demeaning. months. It's demeaning. It's demeaning. One is demeaning. Two gives them no real skill that they can transfer into any further work opportunities. And so with all the the money that goes into EPWP, how do we turn those opportunities into meaningful steps towards a career for young people? How do they get reference letter from those employers? How do they get actual experience that make them more prepared for the world of work when they exit that? And, and we're saying that the National Youth Service should look at the, you know, the mistakes maybe of EPWP and the failings in that area and make sure that they don't make the same mistakes. Um, and then the difference between university and TVET, this is a very good question. I, in my experience, employers don't understand that there's a difference, and so they tend to hire people from university because they understand what a degree is. Um, and TVETs are complicated. So um, if you go to, if you Google um, DGMT's Pathways um, map, uh, it's a really great resource. We also have it on our Youth Capital website because I myself find the, the pathways difficult. But in a nutshell, university is meant to teach you very academic, theoretical things and you come out with a degree um, or a diploma at the end, um, whereas a TVET is meant to give you theoretical and practical experience. Um, and, and that's through the, the, the NATED courses that, um, that are offered or NCV courses yes. that are offered. Um, and it's a very complex process and we also think that's part of the problem. I mean, I have to keep looking at that map myself so I can only imagine how overwhelming it is for young people to navigate um, which steps to follow um, but that does exist as a resource resource that young people can use. Hoping I can get one more engagement from the listeners. I'm going to ask you this question. To the extent that you have engaged young people and your research might give credence to the notion that is it altogether bad post matric for a uh, effectively a job seeker or somebody looking looking for training to take a year off and not go into formal training and just work. Work as an instructor here, as a volunteer there, as a waiter there, take an internship and if possible unpaid to the extent that it is possible and I'm not saying it is always possible. But just to simply break the monotony of the cycle of routine, of being in a classroom environment, of sitting and receiving instructions and being channeled in such a way that takes away for so long and so much of your own initiative without anything practical to challenge or to countenance all of that. How valuable is the so-called gap year? Well, I think that um, there's a, a research study, um, the Next Gen survey, which shows that um, young people who have done volunteering and community work um, do stand a better chance of being employed. The problem that we find with, with volunteer and, and community work is that young people don't see that as work experience. We have this perception which is quite conservative and, and a little bit outdated in South Africa that you've got to put on a suit and tie and go to an office and, and that's work. Um, and if you're not doing this very specific thing, then it's not work. And so what we're saying is employers need to value that experience even if it is unpaid for what it is because it is valuable exactly as you've said. And young people need to know that they should put those experiences on their CV. Um, if you manage to shop to a job every day, even if all you did was make coffee and make photocopies, that still shows some skills and experience. Absolutely. And so, as you said, you know, um, not everybody can just work and not get paid. Um, that's the reality for most young South Africans. But um, 
those who do and I, we speak to a lot of young people and a lot of them have done volunteer work and and also it exposes you to connections young people don't have social capital most of us get work through somebody we know um if you don't know anybody who's working how do you find out about those opportunities um and so just being in a workplace with other people um is also a networking opportunity for young people so it's definitely a useful um route to take if if it's possible for a young person to do that Fantastic final contribution from our listeners we're going to play a voice note after which we're going to get your final contribution please Crystal Duncan Williams Hi Songes it's really in Christiana here again look Song- Songes ask your guest whether is it correct for the South African companies such as retailers shops restaurants and even truck companies to hire the foreign nationals and leave the South African uh, youngsters uh, out in the cold? And then point number two, the foreign nationals would come with their experiences and therefore get in the upper hand when coming to, to the jobs and leaving the young South Africans out in the cold. Is it correct? Thank you. Crystal, is it correct? Crystal? Hi, there we go. It's working. Um, I would say that the problem in South Africa is that the queue for a job is a long queue. And whether you're a foreign national or not, um, I think kind of besides the point, but the person with the most experience is the one who's going to get that job. And so we often use the example of, you know, to be a, a packer at ShopRite, they'll look if you've done metric maths. Now, you definitely don't need metric maths to replenish shelves at ShopRite. But because there's 500 people applying for that job, they're going to take the person with the highest qualification, whoever that person may be. Um, and it may not sit well with us, but unfortunately in the reality of an economy that's in a recession and with fewer um, fewer job spots than there are people looking for jobs, um, I don't think that reality And the more globally change. integrated economy. We're not competing among yeah. South Africans alone now. We are competing with the rest of the world. Exactly, as is the rest of the world. And, and, and yes, our youth unemployment rate is terrible in South Africa, but to just say that other countries are also grappling with a youth unemployment problem that is growing. Um, and so I think it is the changing world in which we live and that global economy and finding, uh, equipping young people with the right skills that are global and, and, and transferable regardless of where the world goes. Fantastic. We appreciate your thoughts. We appreciate your time and your insights. Keep up the good work, Ms. Crystal Duncan-Williams at the DG Murray Trust, Youth Capitals Project Lead. Thank you so much. Indeed. 2116, short break before we are in conversation now with Musiswa Lutsaba, delegate at the Soapbox Program and founder of the Blue Space Communications.